Welcome to Success Stories brought to you by SNS Activewear. I'm your host, Marshall Atkinson, and this is the podcast that focuses on what's working so you can have success too. When something in sales are booming, we often call that action a trend. This is when you want to strike while the iron is hot because we all know that trends can come and go. On today's Success Stories podcast, we'll speak with one of the leading experts on trends, Jessica Gibbons-Rausch with Trend Dependent, as she'll help dissect what it takes to stay on top of the latest trends. Trend Dependent is a fantastic source of knowledge for businesses that want to discover the right merchandising choice for their clients. Whether it's products, colors, texture, or some sort of funky style, Jessica breaks it all down and helps her clients score more sales by staying on top of what is hot. So tune in to this episode of Success Stories and hear how Jessica can help you too. So Jessica, welcome to the Success Stories podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be a part of this. I'm excited that you're here. And for those that you don't know, we're both involved in the promo kitchen world. And uh, you're still a chef, although I resigned, but it's still the same lineage. And it's great to be part of that group. Absolutely. I love being a chef there and working with so many amazing people that are inspiring me every day to do things in a safe environment. Yeah, it's great. It's great. So before we get into the questions, why don't you just talk about trend dependent just a little bit? What do you guys do? Who do you work with? And why should somebody listening now care? <laughs> sure. Well, Trend Dependent actually started as a pet project with Vicki Ostrom, who is known for her trend visions that she puts through with Sanmar. But this was a way for her to be able to branch out and talk about trends outside of the apparel world. And when she and I really started talking to each other, I reached out to her just because I admired her. I thought she was so brilliant. And I wanted to be more like her. So I reached out on LinkedIn, my favorite social platform, or at least the one I talk about the most about. And we started to realize that we had so much in common because when I was doing merchandising, I always loved watching the trends, figuring out what people wanted, what was going on out in the consumer world, and how do I translate that back? And we really started to be able to work together well because where she's got that beautiful artistic vision, I can pull it down and say, okay, this is the practical application. And this is the the more structure behind it. So a lot of what we're doing right now is going through and working with suppliers and distributors, but we're trying to really identify specific products that we think meet trends um, that are out there. So this is going to be kind of a sneak peek, something that we're working on. We'll be actually certifying products as trend products to help distributors be able to use them. And we're also working on different ways to educate specifically merchandising, um, because I think that's an area of our industry that gets kind of overlooked and it's really important. So trying to provide different educational topics to try to help people who are merchandising programs be able to do it more efficiently and have fun with it too. Wow, that's great. And it's so needed. Like so many people just, they don't know, they don't have a clue. They just, you know, they look on, you know, Facebook or whatever, and they ask their friends or whatever, and they just don't really have any clue as to where to start. So I love exactly what you're doing. I think this is a perfect segue into my first question. You ready? I'm ready. So let's start with the famous phrase, you can't manage what you don't measure. 
So when we're looking at trends, especially in sales, how is using data significant? Well, I am 100% a nerd and I love looking at analytics. While it can't be the only thing that you're using when you're making decisions, it's still so important to be watching things. One of the things that I usually use when I'm talking to somebody about merchandising a program specifically is called the skew rationalization. And I know you've heard me say this one before. It sounds very dry, but it's very important where you can actually watch the movement of anything that you have in a program and see month to month what is moving, what's not moving, what's spiking, what's a core product, what's not a core product, how do you pull in something seasonal. It's a complex to review the product, but why it is so important is because it helps you make the right decisions. I've seen a lot of people who will create a program and they're just going to throw anything and everything up there. Like It doesn't matter, no thought process, just put it all out there, they'll figure it out. But when you do that, your consumer is going to end up getting very overwhelmed. And if you're not watching what's moving, you wouldn't know maybe item A is doing really, really well. You want to move that to the front of your program, making sure people are seeing it. Or item D is just tanking. It's not working. We pull that. You know, it's a science to be able to watch that. And I think that anyone who's not paying attention to those kinds of things, what does the movement really look like? What are the numbers showing me are not only going on gut reaction, they're really doing a disservice to their end users. I think sometimes when you have too many choices, it's like trying to figure out what to eat at the cheesecake factory, right? There's just (laughs) so much you can't decide on what to do. And that way, and so if you actually offered less products, you'll probably sell more. What do you think about that? I think so, because a lot of times very overwhelmed and they want to be directed. They want you to tell them what they really want. So when you can really not only watch the movements and and have your reporting that's backing you up, but understand who your client is and what their verticals are, who are their customers, who are they, what are they about? What is their target about? Then you can be recommending products that really make sense. And it doesn't have to be everything. It just has to be the right thing. Okay. That's great. So where are we getting this data? Right. So is it your own data or are we looking online somewhere? Are we just doing the doom scroll of Pinterest all day long? What where are we finding this stuff? Well, there's content out there, which is really, really useful. We use things like fashion snoops. There's a lot of different programs, um, WGSN, that they actually go through and find the data behind the trends. So this is a lot of where we pull statistics, where we see I think one of the statistics I saw recently was that 86% of people who are actually chains of a product based on a give back option. So that's a statistic that we've been able to research because these other larger organizations are doing that. Now, what does that mean to you? Well, it means that if that is your target market, then you need to be offering those products so that they can be getting to your end consumer because that's what the consumer is going to like. But it's hard to find statistics that are out there because there's just so much research going on all the time. When you're talking about you know micro level and just looking at one program, then there's lots of different ways to create the data and make sure that you're watching it. That just depends on what kind of resources you have and what kind of Excel skills you have. Okay, great. So if we're going to use this data, it makes sense that we really need some sort of KPI dashboard to help keep track of everything. So what do you recommend and what KPI should we be really tracking? Well, there's a lot of different options for KPIs, and it's just going to depend on what you're able to track, what you have access to. I have a Coscue platform, and that's one that I've been really impressed because they're building out dashboards within their ERP. 
so you can start building those analytics as you're going. I've worked in a few of the other programs as well, but I just, I really like the way that they have set it up because you can create a dashboard out of almost any kind of technology, but you need to make sure that it's tying into all your other systems so that the information is coming out. But again, like I said, if, if you, all you have is a spreadsheet of data, you can probably turn it into something really amazing with just a couple of pivot tables and VLOOKUPs. Okay. And let's say I have an online store, Jessica, right? Last time we talked about this, you introduced me to a fantastic acronym called SLOB, slow moving and obsolete. So talk about like looking at your data and then interpreting it with that type of mentality. What should we be thinking about there? Well, slow moving and obsolete is an inventory term. So it's a very classic concept. But what it is doing is it's sucking money out of your program. So if you're housing inventory, then you are physically paying for the space. You're physically paying for somewhere to keep it, for people to pick and pack and to move it. But even if you don't physically have inventory, if something is not moving, it's digital real estate that you're losing. You're losing a space that something that is better could be occupying. But if you're not watching to see what those movements are, then that's where you're missing out on that opportunity. Again, like I said earlier, if if you're doing everything based on your gut feeling, which is important, don't get me wrong, but when you have that data and you can say, yes, I ordered this many this month and this many this month, this many this month, I know how many I need. I know how many it's moving. I know this is pulling back. That's when you can make those changes easily. Slow moving and obsolete is probably one of the most low hanging fruit. If something's not moving, get rid of it. We we don't need to be attached to it. Right. So on the online store, there's a jacket or a hat or a tote bag or something that just never sells. Let's put something new up there or maybe the same item just in pink or something just to see what will happen. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just wasting your digital space. And the more that people have to scroll and dig through to find what they want, the slower their attention span is going to be. So if you can try to find out something, what's trending, what's new, what's interesting, maybe you test something and see how it does. They're not to try something new, new and fresh. That's what end users are all looking for. Like what you hear so far? Be sure to subscribe so you can get the latest from success stories. And now here's Zach shortly with the SNS Spotlight. Typically, we're used to seeing new color trends come out for each upcoming season. But this year is becoming more about seasonless color palettes. So to give you a heads up on what's in for 2022, we've released a style guide with all the products and shades your customers will be looking for throughout the entire year. You'll see the latest from your favorite premium brands in every category from head to toe, like Adidas, Bella Canvas, Columbia, Champion, Independent, and much more. To view or download the guide, visit us at ssactivewear.com and navigate to the digital catalog section under the resources tab. Thanks for listening. How can we learn to pay more attention to what's trending? I think, you know, in this industry, we're salespeople or we're busy doing all these projects and whatever, and we just don't have the time or we don't really know what to do, or maybe our taste is horrible, (laughs) right? (laughs) And, And we just don't know. So where should we be looking? You know, like my wife's and I actually use Pinterest a lot just for creative stuff, right? She'll be checking that out. She'll be looking at the mall or events to see what people are wearing. What are some good recommendations? Well, first of all, remember that your tastes are not necessarily your clients' tastes. 
I remember when I was the account manager for a tool company and I was the number one buyer of pocket knives for Starline because the pocket knives was a big, big thing for them. Obviously, this is not me. This is not my target market. I don't have strong opinions about pocket knives, but gosh darn it, I did my research to find out what they wanted, what was trending in that kind of a vertical. And a lot of it is just observation skills. It's what you're seeing out in retail. What are you seeing when you're going shopping? We recently did a color study and we're showcasing some colors that were really trending on from the Pantone system. And almost the next day, I saw something in Target that was brand new that was exactly in the colors we were talking about. If you're opening your eyes and you're looking around, you're going to see a lot of it. I think the focus on the vertical or what that end user is and try to go, where are they? Where are they looking? What are they looking at? What communities and forums are they in? And that can be a great place to find some more information. And it's not always color. Sometimes it's texture or a pattern or a trim. So it's a blue shirt, but the stitching is a contrast stitch instead of it you know, being invisible. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And a lot of what we're seeing now is um, sensorial design. So designed to trigger more than one of the senses and things that are out there that people can interact with that have those different sensorial designs are going a lot further than something that just has maybe one texture or one element to it. The more that it is doing, the more people are engaged. And do you think decoration method is a trend, you know, embroidery versus screen printing versus transfer or something like that? Absolutely. I'm. We're seeing a lot more of bigger prints where it's like a graphic rather, you know, something that's engaging. Um, a lot of t-shirts, for example, everyone wants to have fun sayings on them, things that they can relate to. The The Morning Brew just launched their own apparel line. And I, honest to God, I want every single one that's on there because they're so clever. Like the sayings are so fun. And obviously that that's really engaging. I think that when you also have mixed media, I think that's a great way to go, especially when we have that sensorial, when you can blend a laser engrave with, you know, have an applique on it as well. When you can do more than one thing, it's just more interesting. You know, we've seen embroidery left chest how many times? So, you know, so much where if you can change it up and do something different that, that one color, one location, sure, it's okay. But if we can do it softer ink, a better display, it's just going to go farther. Yeah. And think sometimes it's okay to be tonal, you know, or do a different imprint location. I, like I remember I did a couple of years ago, we did about 30,000 hoodies for a big accounting firm and they were uh, black hoodies and we printed their logo really small in the upper right-hand corner of the hoodie pocket. And that was the only decoration on the whole thing. And they were really popular just because it was not in your face. It was this tiny little thing and people felt more comfortable wearing it, even though it was corporate wear, it was still a hoodie and it's an accounting firm, right? So, you know, it's accountants, <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. It was kind of a challenge to print because whoever prints on the upper corner of a hoodie pocket, that was the kind of fun thing for us was to figure out how to do it. And we did that with a sleeve board, by the way. Oh, wow. So, I did um, some for a beer company where they had a woven tag over the pocket and that was the main yeah. decoration. It was the same kind of thing because you might not want to advertise that you're wearing a beer company shirt when you're somewhere, but you, you love the feel and the, and the nostalgia of it. So right. it's subtle is not a bad thing to do. And I'm seeing right now everywhere is not just tie dye, but that mineral wash, you know, where it's not a solid color, it's got some texture to it. You know, Jersey's has a really great snow heather, right? That's kind of like my favorite shirt right now, right? And just because it's 
not solid. It's got some flex of stuff in it and it just looks neat. It looks interesting just from that standpoint alone. And I think a lot of people that just get stuck, don't you think people just get stuck? I've always used this. I'm just going to do it the same way next year. And there's no creativity or imagination, right? Absolutely. And especially with uniforming programs where you have the the same item, the same item, the same item, people aren't going to have as much fun wearing it. If you can change it up so that it's something that they like, that they've seen out in retail. And I'm a sucker for a good Heather. Like anytime something is Heathered, I always would prefer that. I, I don't know. I think it's just because it gives you that texture look to it. So it's a little funkier, a little different, but absolutely. We need to change up kind of what we're presenting to make sure that you're thinking of what does that end user really want to wear in that uniform program. Right, right. Okay, so let's say we've identified a trend, right? So we know exactly what we want to do. How should we capitalize on that trend? And then how do we know when the trend's over? Like when people just quit buying it? Well, and it's hard to predict. I mean, and sometimes you're going to guess and you're going to have a great feeling and you're going to have this data back it up and you might miss it. But the fidget spinner always comes to mind where it's like, okay, are you going to jump on the trend? And now they're all gone. Now it's those little pop things that drive me crazy. My daughter loves them. You know, are you going to add this to your program because it's cool and it's trendy, but does it really make sense that there is a risk in that? So a lot of what you can do again is if you're watching the movement of what you're selling and try to see what's missing from that product mix and add in there, that's a a great place to start. I'm not saying don't jump on the next fidget spinner bandwagon, but do it with thought and (laughs) think it through before you you jump, you know, all feet in. Try things. I'm a big fan of, you know, if you can get a smaller run, do a a smaller amount or do a pre-book, like, um, you know, have, have it up for a little while. See, test the water, see what people are thinking. Um, There's nothing wrong with a, a good, um, group that where you can go through and say, Hey, you know, this is what we're thinking of, of pitching. What do you think of it? How do you like it? Um, but the other part is, you know, everything has a product life cycle where it's going to be the early adopters. And then it's, you know, it's going to come peak up and then it, it'll start to fall. The key and kind of the art of it is finding when it starts to fall off and pulling it before it's sitting and then turns into, unfortunately, slob. Right. And a cool thing that I've seen a bunch of people do is on social media, on Instagram or something, they will use the same item and one's in yellow, one's in blue. And the post says, hey, we're going to add this to the store. Which one do you like better? Please comment and post. And that way you're getting user feedback from the actual audience that you're targeting And, you know, yellow wins, you put the yellow up, but maybe some people like the blue and then you offer both, you know. (laughs) But I love the idea of polling your community and seeing, you know, what, what do they want? What are they interested in? Everyone has, I know I have opinions. Being able to, to work with your community and figure out what they're looking for, you're going to get more interactions anyway. So why wouldn't you want to jump down that path? Right. Okay, cool. Well, hey, before we wrap up here, for somebody listening, uh, what's your final like top tips just on what they should think uh, when we're looking at trends for the year? What do you think that we should really be looking for? The number one would be to look for those sensorial experiences. People are starved for interaction and experience. So anytime that you can pull together more than one item into a kit, those are things that are really hot right now. The next thing I would say is 
don't get too invested in the trends as much as what is it that your actual end users want to be getting. So different demographics are going to look for different things, but you should be aware of what's going going on outside. And that's where following trend dependent will be a great place so that you can kind of get the information. Um, we try to pull it down into a level where you can actually take action with. Um, and a lot of it is things are changing, but they're not changing so quickly that we can't adapt. Yeah. I know someone that, you know, we all attend our industry trade shows. And what they do is they go to their customers trade shows. So let's say they're in the, they do stuff for construction, you know, they'll go to the construction trade show and they're looking to see what they're wearing, what colors, what styles, what, you know, what's available, what's in the booths, what are the people wearing in the booths? They take lots of pictures and notes and, and they, and that really helps them sort through, you know, am I doing Dickies or am I doing Carhartt? Am I doing, you know, what is fleece? Is it vests? Is it, you know, what's the decoration? I mean, they're taking really note of all that and that's helping them prepare their ammunition for when they load up their stores and stuff. Have you done anything like that? I think that is brilliant. And in my distributor days, yes, I would attend a couple of trade shows for key associations that were our target market and just observe and see what's out there, what's going on. Especially because like I I gave with the tool example, I'm not shopping for me. It's not my personal taste that I need to really be concerned about. Um, It's I have to get in the, the head of my customer and their customers to try to figure out what do they want. Um, and try, I think that's one of the hardest things that merchandisers have is removing yourself from it. Like I really love bold colors, but if I have a client who loves blacks and grays then we got to do blacks and grays, (laughs) you know, you have to kind of remove your personal tastes when you're trying to do these kinds of of projects. Hopefully you're working in a vertical that has people in that you love and that you're passionate about too. So that makes it a little easier, but yeah, you kind of have to take your personal preferences out of the equation. Well, great. Well, thank you so much, Jessica, for sharing your story of success with us today. So if someone wants to learn more about what you do or how you can help them, what's the best way that they can contact you? Um, LinkedIn is always a great option because you get directly to me as quickly as possible. We do have a website, trenddependent.com, and we're also very active on Instagram, especially with an artist like Vicki, you need to have some beautiful imagery with it. So any of those options, you'll be able to get to our team. And there's actually, we have a couple of people on the trend right now. So Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, that's our show today. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date on the latest Success Stories episodes. Have any suggestions for future guests or topics? Send them my way at Marshall and MarshallAtkinson.com and we'll see you next time.